Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Will Dagus. Yes, from Find Away Voices. And it was um, a great interview. We talked about a lot of things. One thing we did not talk about, though, is their uh, deal with Spotify um, because they can't talk about it right now. But we, as soon as they can, he said he'd come back and talk to us about that. So, so that that's was, a great big elephant in the room. And we yes. wanted to address that before yes, we, we wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> But yeah. it was a fun interview and really good. Just talking about audiobooks and yeah, they have a new marketplace where you can find a narrator if you want to right. uh, search for a narrator, sort of like they have on ACX where you can go in and listen to different yeah. narrators and pick yeah. one. Used to they well, they still have the kind of like the white glove treatment where they mm-hmm. give you a pre-selected list of narrators to choose mm-hmm. from. But if you would rather just do it all yourself, they have that now. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And we talked about like, um, a, you know, when to know when to allow your narrator yes. freedom, you know, Working when to narrators. intervene, when to give them freedom. And I thought that was so interesting and just really, I just think people are going to find this, uh, mm-hmm. super informative and super helpful. Yeah. So, talk- and also happy new year. Oh, yes. Happy New Year to you, too. <laughs> and Happy New Year to everyone listening. <laughs> yeah. So it's finally we're in January. I feel like the, like the last yes. week has been like the week that's lost in the Bermuda Triangle because yes. it's like I never know what day it is. I don't know what year it is. Yeah. If it's the new, you know, so yeah, it's been know. a it's been a weird week, but yes. it is now what January 2nd. So we're in 2022. Yes. And so do you have any news from or anything that you did during the weird week that was not? Well, you know, (laughs) I started Monday uh, being on a uh, social media fast. So I, so it's been, it's been six days. I have not been on social media. Um, I don't miss it, (laughs) but (laughs) that's saying a lot coming from you. (laughs) I know. Interesting. But this week has not been normal. My husband was home and then, um, and I'm just going to, you know, me, I like, I, I overshare, but I also just want to be real. Uh, my, I have four sisters and my fourth sister has had stage four lung, lung cancer, non-smokers lung cancer for nine years. And she's done amazingly well. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want somebody to inspire you, you talk to her because she, um, she really has just such an amazing um, outlook on life and the the power of the mind and everything. But this week she had a little bit of a setback. And so I mm-hmm. had to go to my mom's and uh, so I was there. And so, you know, one of the things about being off social media is that lowering of dopamine, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, cor- and cortisol and anxiety, you know, that anxiety and, and sufferings. Well, I haven't really had that this week because, <laughs> Because you've had other anxiety. I've had other, yeah, things, yeah. adrenaline. Um, and so, but she's she's fine. Uh, she's fine now. And, you know, she's been bad before and then come back 
and been great for a couple of, a couple of years ago. She had a real bad setback and then really came back and has done well. And um, so that's just what we're hoping for. We kind of follow her lead and, um, but we were going to talk about 2021, 2022, you know, what we were thinking about the year and it, you know, what we were going to, you know, our plans. plans and I had plans for 2022, but honestly um, I'm holding them with a very open hand because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can't imagine writing comedy uh, with my sister being yeah. super, super sick. I mean, she's been sick for a long, you know, nine years, but you know, things took a, a unfortunate turn. Uh, I'm not sure I'll be writing comedy, so we'll just see. Yeah. And I'm just going to be okay with that. And I encourage our listeners that if you've got things that you don't know about and you're stressing over them, don't stress. I mean, it yeah. doesn't help. It kind of make it, you suffer twice. You worry before it happens and then you, and then you suffer when it does happen or, mm-hmm. you know, you said su- yeah. you suffer unnecessarily. So, yeah. um, but anyway, so I just wanted to kind of put that out there and yeah, so everybody knows kind of where my head is and um, I'm, I've done some, I've, done um, more coaching calls, which have been uh, more consulting calls. And I'm telling you right now, I just love those. They're just so fun. And it's so great when you get that or see that lot bubble go off in somebody's head when you're talking to them or you get that email back. So I have been doing those and those have been great, but that's about it for me. What about you? Um, Well, I it's been family. Like kids have been here. It was yeah. a great Christmas. We had a yeah, us too. good time. And so I've done a little work, but it's mostly been kind of scattershot mm-hmm. here or there. Right. And I've, right. I've read a lot of books. We watched a lot of movies. It's mm-hmm. been really good. And um, yeah, I was thinking about 2022 and I think like 2020, I think we all learned that our plans can just like go out the <laughs> yeah. window. Oh, yeah. Like, like from one day to the next, you know, you yeah, just, they can be ripped from us. Yes. Yeah. And I am a championship warrior. I'm very mm-hmm. good at worrying. I've yeah. always been a warrior. You hold the gold medal. I pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to not do that. Cause like you said, it doesn't do you any good at all. No, and then you're just all emotionally yeah. knotted up. So right. I'm trying to, you know, like you said, hold things loosely. Mm-hmm. I have some plans for 2022, but mm-hmm. like, I just, I don't know, but I mean, I'm, we won't get into this right now, but what we might do or might not do, yeah. but I was going to pass along a really good podcast that I listened to from Alana Terry, the successful mm. writer podcast. Mm-hmm. It's episode 154 and it's about goal setting for authors. And mm-hmm. I thought it was so smart because she, I'd never heard it described this way. She talked about leading goals and lagging goals. And so she mm. used weight loss as an example, like you're, mm-hmm. you're, if you're, if you want to lose weight, you have leading goals, which is like work out more, eat less, count mm-hmm. my calories, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then your lagging goal is the weight loss. And mm-hmm. so she said, you can only control your leading goals and mm-hmm. hopefully your lagging goals, you will get the results, but right. it, it'd be like, I want to earn such and such dollar number for us possibly, mm-hmm. or I want to publish this many books, mm-hmm. but you have your, those are your lagging goals, but you have your leading goals would be like what you can do, what you can control. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's really smart to look at it that way. Cause there are certain factors just like we talked about that right. you can't 
control, but you can do certain things in your life. Right. Right. And that's really good. Right. And that's what I mean. I mean, like when I said I had goals 2020 and now this has kind of put things in question. What I'm going to proceed as if I don't have this big thing hanging in my life and um, get as much done as I can. And hopefully that's how we continue for the next few years. But if something were to happen, I want to be in a position that I've done what I needed to do. And then, you know, So basically you're not going to put up like four pre-orders and be under that deadline. I will not be doing that. (laughs) I don't think I've ever done that. (laughs) No, me either. Big fat chicken when it comes to pre-orders. I I, I cannot imagine doing like a pre-order with nothing on paper. Right. right. Well, and then too, Sarah and I were supposed to uh, record this like 30 minutes ago and I was laid up in bed because I may have COVID. Um, my family, we all got together for Christmas. We're all vaccinated and five of, well, there are 30 of us almost, but five of us have gotten COVID. And um, so, you know, it's just been kind of funny because we all did what we're supposed to do and we're all, but it, nobody's been super, super sick. Just, you know, that Omicron kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. my maiden name is McKinney and I said we were changing it to McCovid because we, uh, (laughs) it's we had a super spreader event and didn't know it. So that was kind of, yeah, crappy, but, but, you know, I don't feel too bad. I just have a headache and, um, stuff but yeah but that's how much she loves you guys she's yeah on recording the intro <laughs> I do love you guys and I've missed being on and actually um I want to say thank you to Eliza Peak. she is kind of monitoring our Facebook group oh, yeah. because I'm not on social media for the next three weeks and uh Sarah's and I'm not good at being on social media so thank you so Eliza's for helping us out monitoring uh that for us and we do appreciate it so much she's got a lot going on I mean she's a she's an author but she agreed to do this for us and we we appreciate it um but yeah we should get on with the interview because yes. it's so yeah. awesome yeah so we're going to talk about audiobooks with Will Degas and Really wide ranging interview, not just mm-hmm. about like how to use find a way, but how mm-hmm. to, you know, get your books in libraries and being wide. So lots yeah. of good information. So here we go. All right. Today, we're super excited to have Will Degas with us. Hi, Will. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm great. We are really excited to have you here. We've got lots of questions. Yeah. All right. So, so we're going to dig in and talk about find a way voices. But first, let me read your bio. Will Degas is head of find a way voices. He leads a team of engineering, product, customer experience, sales, and marketing professionals to change the audiobook industry for the better. So that is a great thing. We love it. Yes. Yeah. And I can say that that is something that you've, you're accomplishing. So I think that's awesome. <laughs> Thank so you. T- yeah. Tell us how you got into uh, working with writers. Yeah. Great question. So, um, so I work at Findaway, right? Mm-hmm. Findaway is the parent company of Findaway mm-hmm. Voices. Findaway mm-hmm. Voices is our... Our, our product that's geared specifically towards uh, independent authors, uh, small publishers, that kind of, that kind of audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I've been working at Findaway for 10 years, right? And Findaway Voices has only been around for less than five. Um, so I was doing a bunch of different things before this. And Findaway has a long history of working with writers through publishers, right? Most of the history of Findaway was working with the biggest publishers in the world and o- un- unlocking opportunities for them. 
And it became really apparent that we were missing a huge segment of the market, Mm -hmm. right? By only working with publishers and only feeding that content to all of the partners that we have, you're talking Scribd and Nook and Google and everybody else, like, uh, you know, you're missing a huge impactful slice of the market when you're only working with publishers. Right. So we started find a way voices to work directly with authors and give everybody that same access that was only available to publishers before. Oh. So it, it, it came about a couple ways. It came about um, with authors emailing us and being like, hey, how do I get my book on your platform? Mm-hmm. And I was saying like, yeah, well, we only work with publishers. Like, do you have a thousand titles or more? And they're like, oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> we're like, okay. Get enough of those emails. And you start yeah. to realize like, Oh, well, those books actually sell. Like we yeah. want these on our platform. Right, right. And then we had retailers saying customers are requesting these books. Why don't you have them? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, those two things together were a really clear indicator that like, okay, we're missing something. We got to address this right. the market and right. poof, find way voices. It wasn't as easy. Yeah, as <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, we, I mean, we worked for a long time. You can imagine when we're working with, you know, ha- not a handful of publishers, but hundreds of publishers all throughout the world. You can sustain this business on a lot of manual things, moving uh-huh. spreadsheets around and drag right. and dropping files. And now we're working with thousands and thousands of authors with all their own accounts. Like we had to build up a ton of automation at Fiverr yeah. to help support that. And there's been a lot of growing pains and a lot of stumbles along the way. But boy, we're so much better off than we were, you know, before we started working with authors. They push us in a lot of really good ways. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Well, we are happy you took all of us on our little yes. scrappy <laughs> sole proprietorships. We appreciate it. Well, it's, it's important for the health of the whole industry, yeah, right? Yeah. As, yeah. as, as things change, you know, like back in the day, the only way to get distribution was to go with a publisher. Those right. are the only mm-hmm. places that you could get distribution and then self-publishing opens up, but audiobooks were lagging behind. There was no mm-hmm. great option for that. So mm-hmm. the first step in the equation of like changing this industry is just give access to everybody. Right. Get, yeah. get these doors open for everybody in the world who has an audiobook or wants an audiobook. Right. And then we can start layering on even more after that. But this the solid foundation of distribution had to come first. And it's crazy nobody was filling that need. I'm so glad yeah. that we got to it. Yeah. 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 yeah well, we're going to talk about some of the layers of stuff y'all have going on now, the new stuff in a little bit. But yeah. first, um, this is a question we like to ask uh, people that are like the industry professionals. Do you have any aspirations to write? Me personally, I love writing like short form. Like I love working on blog posts and short Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I've never attempted anything longer form, even like Mm -hmm. novella length. Um, Probably if there was a place that I was, I would go, it would be more towards the narration and performing side. Yeah, I have a little bit of background in theater. Uh I have some background in voiceover work. I was, you know, I did video production back in the day. And like, I like that side of things a little bit more. So if I had to choose one side of the, author narrator combo, I'd probably go narrator, but I love hiring writers. And a lot of my team, most of my team are working on their novels or have published multiple novels and novellas. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even our chief creative officer at Find A Way, I brought him to 20 books in Vegas two or three years ago uh-huh. and he caught the bug and he's written three or four books since oh then. My that, gosh, that inspired him. So, and and <laughs> there's, awesome. there's a, a group internally at find a way that does NaNoWriMo and like yeah. the whole company ethos is, is very much aligned with, with that kind of, that kind of thing. Oh, that's great. That's that terrific. Yeah. Well, tell us what do you wish authors knew about your field or what you do at find a way voices? Yeah. So, you know, Find a Way Voices is all audiobooks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't do ebooks. We don't do print or anything. We're yeah. really hyper-focused on there. So my answers will be more geared in that direction. Yeah. 
And I, w- I would say the, the biggest thing is it's easier to make an audiobook than you think. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people out there see an audiobook as this top of the mountain. I'm not yet there in my career. It's unbelievably expensive. It's going to take me forever to make my money back. And even if I do, it's just going to take up so much time and it's going to eat up months of my uh, time away from writing. And it is so much easier to make an audiobook than most people that I talk to think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tools are getting better. And it's so much easier to find a narrator that is a, a good quality narrator for a reasonable price than it ever has been before. Right. And like we just talked a few minutes ago, distribution is opened up. So the mm-hmm. opportunities and what you can do to leverage that with that book is is way greater. But the ease of making an audiobook uh, is what I wish more people realized. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not, and I, you both have audiobooks. You you've been yeah. through this process mm-hmm. before, so you can pro- you probably can attest to this too. Well, yeah. When you both made your first audiobook, was it easier or harder than you thought? And how long ago was that? And how and like how has that changed over the years? Do you do you agree with what I just said? <laughs> oh, I agree completely. I mean, mine was the one I did by myself because my first four are with um, LMBPM Publishing. But even that was easier than I expected. I mean, it was like, wow, this is pretty simple and it came out pretty fast and now they're wide. And uh, But when I did my own, it was expensive, but it was still more, it was still so much easier than I expected. I expected this big, long process and I thought I'd have to do a lot of stuff and it's just not like that. So yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. I think the same thing that it's like one of those things that once you have done it, it's not as intimidating as when you're thinking about it because there's a lot of stuff you have to learn. But I went back and looked because I couldn't even remember. I did two audiobooks in 2014. And then I put the you brakes on because I yeah. was like, I don't know. I wasn't seeing a ton of sales. And I was like, I think I'll hold off. And but then since then, I went, I sent, I gave one one series to a publisher and they did it. And I started seeing sales through that. And I was like, okay, I think maybe it's time. And so I've kept all the, the rest of my audio and I've completed that series and all my new stuff I control. And um, yeah, because once you do it, it's not as scary. And I I don't know if you'd agree or not, but I kind of feel like the prices are not as crazy. I don't know if there's more competition or... I think it's there's still more competition. There's more narrators in the field. Yeah. And- equipment is cheaper. It's never been more affordable to have a home studio Mm -hmm. as a narrator. You're not having Mm -hmm. to rent studio time or go sit there with a director. Uh, The, the narration industry has advanced quite a bit too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And don't you think, I think COVID has sped that up a little bit. I think people were like, Hey, I'll narrate while I'm waiting for (laughs) things to happen. I can't go. (laughs) Yeah. We saw a big, a big boost in that. And it's funny because I, you know, we were joking at the beginning of the pandemic, like, Wait, narrators are like the original social distancing like yeah. people. Like they're used yeah. to just shutting the door in their on their home studio and, and right. being alone all day long. Like COVID's nothing for them. Yeah. They from home, yeah. they close the door, like nothing changes. Right. But man, a lot of people picked up audiobooks for the first time last year and, and yeah. it was a great time to be positioned in that market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, the one thing that you said there that I'd like to piggy tail for for the for the um the second point that I wish authors realized. You, you said you made your first books in 2014. That's seven years ago. Mm-hmm. They're still like for sale, the, right? The, yeah. The dark they're still, ages, they're right? Still generating, they're still generating <laughs> revenue for you, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. I wish more people saw audiobooks as a business asset that they're yes. leveraging for the long term and right. not just thinking about it as this short-term, 
Did I make my money back in six months? Yes mm-hmm. or no, it's a failure or a, or a success. Mm-hmm. If you take the long view of it, Sarah's books have been an audio for seven years mm-hmm. and they are still generating royalties today. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. still working for her. If you take that long view of what do I want to look like in 10 years and right. do I want a huge catalog with all kinds of different formats or do I want to really kind of pigeonhole, mm-hmm. it, it changes the whole ROI perspective, mm-hmm. right? Because these things... They don't expire. Yeah, <laughs> they don't they become don't. irrelevant. They work for you for a really long time. I yeah. think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And as you're like, I'm I'm wide with audio, with with print, with ebook, and everything. And I think that's something that like if you you can be in certain retailers exclusive and have your your ebook exclusive, but have your audio wide. You know, so you yes. can be wide in format, but. Um, yeah, that's just my whole thing is like, yeah, and if, that doesn't kill I you can, either, yeah. you know, like, no. it, it is it is a lot of times a separate audience. It is, yeah. it's incremental, it's not cannibalizing your other ebook and print sales, it's a separate piece of the market that you are unlocking. And yes. if you've trained everybody that Amazon's the only place to get my ebooks, and you have to be in KU, you can yeah. still find a market on the wide retailers might not be quite as easy, but it's not like a death knell. It's not just no. like a non starter, right? It's it, right. and your rights are separate. So you're not signing away your audio rights when you enroll in KU. And Sarah makes a killing in audio. I mean, she just, she does really, really well in audio. So um, I think her genre lends itself Mm -hmm. to that, the historical mystery, cozy mystery kind of audience, but um, she does really great. Romance is a little tougher. It's a little more competitive, but you know, what you were saying is uh, with my, Bride series being with LMBPN when when the first couple of books came out and it you know they were doing okay but they weren't doing like great and I felt terrible like they had invested in me and and I even contacted them and and Michael Anderley who owns the you know company said Jamie like this is a long term investment these are not we're not looking to make our money back next month or even in a year this mm-hmm. is a long term investment. We want you to make money. We want to make money. And it really helped me get that mindset of, oh, these audiobooks, well, all of my books, but audiobooks in particular are, they really are a long-term investment because unlike, unlike um, ebooks and print books, which some like your covers can go out of style a little bit and everything, your audiobooks are not really going to go out of style. I mean, it's just going to be they're going to be long-term. And I think that's great. So yeah, you, and you can still do a cover refresh, yes, but you don't absolutely. need to do a voice refresh. No, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, British narrator is all of a sudden out of fashion. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. It's, it's not the same kind of thing, but I, I love what you said there. And I love what Michael Anderley said there mm-hmm. about playing the long game. Yes. It changes yes. your perspective on everything, even yeah. the marketing of your book, right? Right. right. If you does. have in your mind, like, Oh my gosh, my my audiobook was released this month and I haven't made back my investment. I have to panic spend a whole bunch of marketing and think no. short term on a whole bunch of stuff. It's the wrong way to approach everything in your business. Right. You approach it mm-hmm. with patience and strategy and you think about it in the long term and it makes everything work better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that's so true. So smart. Too. 100% yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, is there anything you wish um, you'd known about any publishing or working with authors like when you got into this? Um, well, I, I didn't realize how lucrative it could be (laughs) until, until until I started working with all these authors, you know, when I, when uh, admittedly, when we first started voices and we were learning about this audience and everybody, you know, I had in my mind, this picture of the, the troubled artist hunched over their, their, uh, typewriter and like, 
you know, like starving, not, not sacrificing, yeah. starving, not <laughs> yeah. sacrificing anything for the integrity of the art. And what I've, what I've found is so many of these people are business people and marketers mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. who are leveraging writing as a product that they're selling. And it's not, mm-hmm. it's a much different mindset. Uh, and I think embracing that mindset has helped us build better tools right. for that. Right. You know, like I'm not, I'm not building typewriter extensions. I'm building mm-hmm. marketing tools and, mm-hmm. and things that help you um, get your book out there a little bit more. And, and the savviness of the community really surprised me when we, <laughs> when we got started, but it's been probably one of the most fun and rewarding parts of, of learning from the people that you serve. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a well-kept secret. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the true indie life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you see authors doing that they do because they think they have to, but they aren't producing results? Oh, this, this is an easy one for me. <laughs> I think it's, it's, you know, thinking that social media is your like, holy grail and yeah. all, and you just got to send out a tweet a day and you're going to make it. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think, I think social media has been an incredible tool that has opened up a ton of opportunities and marketing avenues for a lot of people. Right. But just sending a tweet a day or posting one thing on Instagram a day is not enough. And it's such a one-sided view of things. Mm. So I, you know, I don't want to get too deep on the marketing because I'm, you know, like (laughs) there are people who can probably talk about this better than me, but what I, what I see a lot of people saying, uh, you know, they, they might email in and say like, Hey, book sales aren't what they should be. And I'll be like, okay, cool. Let's talk. Like, tell me what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're like, well, I am sending a Facebook message to my audience every day. Like what else could I be doing? And like, okay, well, are you like trying to sell the book or are you trying to like have a conversation and build a community and really think about your readers as people and what you can offer them outside of just getting them to put down their credit card. And like, there's a right way and a wrong way to, to do social media. And I think that there is a, um, there's a misconception of, of what success looks like there and what it takes mm-hmm. to get to success, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, book talk is really interesting. A lot of the things that are going on on TikTok right now. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, as I'm just like browsing my feed, which is mostly like cooking videos and DIY home improvement uh-huh. <laughs> stuff. Uh-huh. Every once in a while, like a, a, a thing will come up with, with it's like book related mm-hmm. for like a romance genre or a fantasy genre, which is not my primary genre. And it's still reaching me. And some of the innovative ways that people are leveraging that platform is fantastic and really interesting, but it's not for everybody, right? right? Not everybody wants to position themselves that way and not everybody enjoys it. Mm -mm. And I think when you try to shoehorn yourself into a social media platform that you don't enjoy, it's really apparent. (laughs) Like your audience isn't going to vibe with it either because they, they, they can tell how forced it is. So I think social media is the big thing where a lot of people are running through the motions, doing these best practices that they have read about. Mm-hmm. And not really putting the deeper strategic thought into how it's supposed to work for them, what the long term is, and what value they're really providing through the platform, right? right? right. Um, so I, I don't know what are, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you see the same thing, or do you agree? Oh yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like I do TikTok because I I enjoy TikTok, and my TikToks are ridiculous. And but <laughs> so I'll do one or two funny, maybe three funny TikToks, and then I'll do a couple of book. T- book TikToks because and that is a little bit against like conventional wisdom for TikTok you know they say you should just do you know pretty much just do book stuff all the time but I'm trying to build like I just feel like and I have always felt like that if people like me and they like my humor they will like my books you know and so it's more of a relationship thing more than buy my book thing and um 
I'm not sure that's right or wrong. It's just what I enjoy. And so that's why I do it. Um, I hate Twitter, so I'm never on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I Instagram, what I do is I repurpose my TikTok videos to Instagram, mm-hmm. but I'm not really, I can't grow my Instagram community. I've tried and I just can't for whatever reason I can't. So, uh, and then Facebook is where, really where my readers are. So I concentrate on Facebook because that's where my readers are. I concentrate on TikTok because that's where my potential readers that's are. That's your growth channel. Yep. Yes. And and that's really it. You know, and yeah. then in the middle there, I I do things on Instagram because it's entertaining to people. Uh, but I don't know that I sell books on Instagram. I do know that if I, I haven't ever, I've only had one video go viral and it was um, the first video I ever did. But if I do videos that do pretty well that are for my book, I will see a little bump. And I know other authors who have seen huge bumps, you know, because they've had videos go viral. Like I have a friend who she didn't really realize how much her TikTok was helping, but she's had some family stuff and things go on over the last few weeks and hasn't been on and her sales have dropped. And she and she's not doing anything different except she's not making TikTok videos, you know. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, I like, agree with you. I think people yeah. jump in, try to jump in and do everything, and you should just do what you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're very self aware, and and yes. you've already you've you've honed in on here's the things I need to do, here's the things I like to do, and yeah. and you have the mm-hmm. right, you know, uh, the right in in my in my mind, the right approach to it is always community building, not selling. Yes. You yes. want to foster this community yes. that gets to know you. They, they get right. to know Jamie right. and they get yes. to like Jamie. And then the yes. books will follow because right. if they yeah. like you, they're going to want to see what else you've done right. and they, yeah. they'll find it. Yeah. 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 That's what I was going to say is that I feel like social media is a place where you can connect with people, your readers, maybe some influencers or people like who like books. But for me, for a while there, I was very into like, I'm going to be everywhere and make sure <laughs> I have a presence everywhere. And how can I? make this flow from this social media channel to this one to save time. And I've backed away from all that. And basically it's my dog uh, <laughs> making noise. Basically I just focus on my, my email mostly, you know, my building my newsletter yeah. and then, you know, and partly too, I've seen how social media changes and I feel like it's, you can be on a treadmill where you're constantly, Oh, this has changed. I have to learn this new, yeah. thing, technique, whatever. And so email is not going to change. So I feel better. I feel my, my time is better spent doing that. Than also with, your audience is really not on social media. No, I mean, I have a good reach on Instagram, but like, not like crazy high, like some authors, but yeah. So I feel like they're, they are on Facebook, but I personally don't like Facebook. So I've kind of backed away from that. I have an account there, but I don't do much there except in groups. So I think it's like you have to figure out where you fit and where you feel comfortable. So yeah. where you can be most authentic. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. think that's super important. And um, I think that's where a lot of people fail sometimes is because they're not, they're not authentic because they're, they're doing stuff they don't like. And yep. so they're having to force yeah. it. And, and well, Sarah, I just want to, I want to ring home that point one more time, which what you said of, of email, uh, yes. you know, email is the only medium an audience that you own yes. mm-hmm. that, that is your earned audience. And there's not an algorithm between you and them. You don't have to <laughs> hope there's not a better TikTok video or an Instagram story that gets popped up before you yes. in their feed. Like you are reaching them directly. So if you are focusing on building one platform, 
and just one, email is the safest one because the, the, the ground can't shift underneath you nearly yes. as easily as a big algorithm shift or a social media company going out of business and poof, mm-hmm. your audience is yeah. gone. Right? So if you have yeah. to focus on one, I think it's really smart that you're, you're, you know, yeah. your, yep. your primary, your, your primary mode of communication is with that channel. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's taken me a while to get there because that's my yeah. today. <laughs> it's a long haul. Yeah. It's worth it. Today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so that's like one thing. Are there any other big mistakes that you see authors making or if not, we can move on, but anything else? Uh, going saying? exclusive. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> this is a safe space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I, you know, I, I think uh, the term for exclusivity in the audiobook market is cra- is just like, it's so long. If you think mm-hmm. about Findaway yeah. Voice, it's only been around for five years. Like, yeah. what are you doing signing a seven-year exclusivity yeah. agreement? You have no yeah. idea what the audio- audiobook industry is going to look like in that amount of time. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea what it's going to look like in that amount of time. In less than five years, look how we've changed the industry. Right. Um, and there's people still, you know, serving their time and waiting for that exclusivity contract to end now. And it's only accelerating, you know? Yeah. So I think keeping your options open and building an audience on the wide platforms on a bunch of different platforms to diversify your audience is a really important thing to do. Um, one mistake on the production side that I see not as much anymore, but still pretty prevalent for first time authors who are producing audiobooks is um, trying to assert too much control over the final yeah. product and not and not treating your narrator like a collaborator, yeah. right? Um, narrators can bring so much to a performance. It's almost like adding another character to the book. Mm-hmm. It's adding another dimension mm-hmm. to the way somebody experiences a story. And especially, it's it's funny that it happens with people who are are producing their first books more often than not, right? Mm-hmm. Because they actually have the least experience with making books. We know what we want, right? <laughs> right. But, yeah. But they, they have a very, you know, they're spending two grand on something. And this is the first time they've yeah. laid down this money and they feel like I have to control this, this product. Yeah. The, the authors who let go a little bit still, you know, still like assert direction and you still mm-hmm. want to give feedback and everything, but trust the narrator as a collaborator in the experience to make an audiobook. Those audiobooks are so much better and yeah. the, the audience appreciates it and the listeners can hear the difference mm-hmm. when a narrator has the control and they're having fun with it and they love mm-hmm. the book. So I think like really, you know, treat, treating your narrator as a collaborator, not a vendor. Right. Uh, right. You're, you're in this together and the narrator wants the book to be as great as possible too because that's, that's advertisement for them for their next job. Like they right. have no incentive yeah. to flub a book. <laughs> it just right. doesn't happen. Exactly. Um, and and so I yeah, that's that's a big one I think. Yeah. Well, so let me ask specifically. Like, I'm I have very little input with my audiobook. Like, I don't listen back and send notes on like character voices and stuff because I feel like if your narrator's got it, then let them run. You know. Mm-hmm. But like in the beginning, how much interaction do you recommend authors have with the yeah. narrators? Like, because I know there's a time period in there where you can kind of you know, give them feedback, a lot of feedback and then kind yeah. of back off. Is that what you recommend? How do you, what are your tips there? So, so I, uh, it depends on the relationship you have with the narrator. Certainly the more you work with the narrator, the more trust you'll have yeah. and the more you'll be able to kind of get your hands off and, and, and sit back and relax a little bit. Right. But if this is, even if you're an experienced author and you're working with a narrator for the first time, even if it's a really good narrator with a lot of credit in history, um, the one piece of the, the, the production process that is the most critical is the extended sample. 
Okay, this is after you've signed the contract. But yes. before the narrator goes into the booth to record the entire book, yes. they record a 15-minute segment. And this is any 15 minutes that you want to choose. So we usually recommend, like, if it's, a, if it's an action book, make this an action scene. Mm-hmm. Have more than one character in this. This should not be, like, an internal dialogue scene yes. or the yes. intro <laughs> if you have a big action scene. Or, or if it's a romance scene and that, like, really needs to pay off, yeah. put that in the extended sample Make it the most challenging piece of the book mm. or the most most important piece of the book yeah. and give a lot of really constructive, subjective feedback on this. Right. This is the point in the process where you can say, you got to read this faster. You got to read this slower. Yeah. That accent isn't quite right. This is more of a gruff kind of disturbed character or that's right. not sexy enough. Right. And because you can't give that feedback after the narrator has been in the booth for 20 or 30 hours. No, you can't. That doesn't, that doesn't fly. You have this, this, this moment during the extended sample period to really give a lot of subjective feedback. And then the narrator has to stay true to that approved extended sample after, you know, a couple rounds of iterations. And as long as they stay true to that, you don't get to make that feedback at the end without paying more, right. Without saying like, I'm going to pay for you to go back in the booth. This is my right. bad. I, I told you this was an English accent. And it's actually a Western accent. Right, <laughs> or, right, you know, right. those kind of subject, subjective feedbacks. The communication during that extended sample phase is where a lot of productions are made or broken. Yeah. That is a really critical piece. And then when the whole book comes back, some people spot check it and they're uh-huh. like, okay, I want to check on a couple scenes and see how these sound and I'm good. Some people want to listen to the whole thing end to end and make notes of every little thing. And that's cool too. But the more you get to trust that narrator and the more mm-hmm. you work together, the more you're probably going to feel comfortable easing off. Right. Because if you find 100 mistakes or 200 mistakes of like, you missed this sentence, this is mispronounced, those kind of things you can get changed for free. But right. you might not want to work with that person again if, they, right. if you're constantly giving that kind of feedback. So having that really trusting relationship that you build over time saves you both time. In the right. I think for me... Um, because with my bride's books, the accent, because it's Texas, you know, small town Texas, and the accent in the bride's books is a little heavy in the sample and in the 15 minute thing, it wasn't. But as she's gone on, it's gotten a little heavier, which is fine because frankly, nobody notices it but me, I don't think. And I'm like, we don't sound like that. But of course we do. And, uh, but, <laughs> But so when I did my own and had the narrative, I did listen to all of it just to make sure. And the, it was so funny because the only thing I had changed was uh, there's something about pecans and they said pecans. And I said, we don't say pecans in Texas. Can you change that? And that was it. That was all that, that <laughs> they had to change because they were from the East and or Northeast and stuff. So, or wherever they're from, but pecans. So. It was pretty funny, but yeah, I agree. I think letting them, especially if it's someone you've heard do, you know, if it's kind of a well-known narrator or at least someone you've heard do other books, then letting them have that creative freedom. I mean, that's where the magic happens, really. Exactly. That's that's a great way to put it. That yeah. They're adding that magic element. Yeah. yeah. And it's important to realize too, that you are not your, your reader. You are not right. your listener. You are not <laughs> exactly. the person buying right. your book. Exactly, And so you got to get out of your own head a little bit there because uh-huh. um, hopefully you don't design your cover to what you like either. Yeah. You design to what your readers like and what right. performs well in the genre. And you're doing, you know, you're being objective about those kind of things. Right. The same, the same goes with your narration. And what's interesting is I have found that a lot of authors are not necessarily audio audiobook listeners. I am, 
So I am, I kind of have an ear for some things that I'm like, Ooh, but, but for the most part, a lot aren't. And so yep. what you have to realize is it is a different medium. It is not, mm-hmm. it is not your, I mean, it is your book, but it is a different form of storytelling. And what I love about it is because I will read a book that I love and then I will go and listen to the book because it, you get different things from mm-hmm from reading it and listening to it. It's a different, it's just a different way to experience the book. And it's another great example of why audiobooks can be incremental, yes, right? Yeah. Yes. Two sales yes. instead of one. That's amazing, yes. right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, and believe me, people, who, yeah, authors love me because I will do that. I will read it and then I will go and listen <laughs> to it. So anyway, but I just think that it's important to remember that it's not audio audio narration is not what we're good at (laughs) as authors necessarily. So we need to, we need to cooperate and, and um, collaborate with the narrator, but let the narrator do what the narrator does. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is what I've learned. And and that's my opinion. So uh, do you see any commonalities in writers who have been successful over the long haul? Yes. Uh, A couple of things come to mind. Uh, one, they're really comfortable with their process, right? Like mm-hmm. they know, um, they have their process for writing and they have their process for editing and they know what the publishing process looks like for them. And they figured out kind of what works for them. Cause there's no, there's no one track that works the right. same for every, everybody right. as you, right. as you know. Yes. Um, I think that helps a lot with a lot of confidence and a lot of quality, um, issues. And then I think the other two things are they're really savvy marketers. You know, it's not just about the writing. The book right. could be the best book in the world, but if nobody can find it or read it or, right. you know, wants to pick it up because of the cover, it's never going to perform well. Right. Um, and I think to the, the point on covers, you know, like I get to look at tens of thousands of audiobooks coming through the platform and I get to see the sales numbers across all of the retailers in aggregate. Right. And I'll tell you, I don't have a single best selling book that doesn't have an amazing looking cover. Uh, so, like, yeah. outside of choosing the right narrator, yeah. the next best thing that you can invest in is a kick butt cover. Yes. Sorry, I keep it clean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a really high quality cover that fits your genre really well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sarah, I think your your covers are out of this world. They're Aren't perfect they for your thank audience. You. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. I think, yeah, I, I, you, you just can't do any better than that, right? Oh, like, thank you. Um, and I think that's a huge huge element to book sales and it's no different in audiobooks than anything else. Yeah. Covers are so key. They're so key. Yeah. And mine is my designers. I'm like, Hey, this is the feeling I want. And these are some that are popular. I do the same thing. I try and do the same thing with my designers that I do the narrator, you know, they're the experts and try not to get too deep into it. And yeah, I think that's very important. Covers, covers are huge. So, well, speaking it's also of- worth noti- noting that audiobook covers are square. Yes, <laughs> you know that this is, this is <laughs> over from the days of CDs when CDs were, yeah. were the main distribution, yeah. and uh, everybody who was selling audiobooks online were basically ripping CDs uh, yeah. into their catalog, <laughs> and, and that's where the cover art came to. So, yeah. please don't squish your art. Please don't put letter boxes on it. Go back to your cover designer yeah. and yeah. get a specific square. Yeah, uh, splurge you, you for the cover. The, you can have the best covers designed in the world, but if you squish them or put letter boxes on them. They're not going to look good on yeah. a carousel no. next to a whole bunch of other books. On the and website. they're 15 to 20 or 10 to $20. I mean, it depends. 
my cover designer, it's just, it's been different because I either needed something on it or whatever, but I paid anywhere from 10 to $20. It's not expensive. So just get the audio book cover. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so talking about like, you see a lot and you have a lot of a wide view (laughs) of what's going on. So in like, what's going, what do you see? Do you see any trends, anything that's hot or special or interesting to you that you noticed as you look across this wide range of audiobooks? Yeah, a, a couple things come to mind. Um, we published this report for the last couple of years, and we'll, I will presumably keep doing it uh, forever. Uh, we call it the headphone report, where we take mm-hmm. our, our subset of data that we see and we publish some infographic style um, things on it. So I, I would encourage everybody to, to Google the Findaway Voices headphone report for more detail than I'm going to say here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's nice because all of the industry stats that you see from the APA or any of these other research organizations, they're really skewed by the big publishers, right? The big five, the big 10 are really heavily weighted in all of that data. But Findaway Voices, what we see are independent authors and, and very small publishers from around the world. And so it's a uh-huh. very different set of data than you're going to see on the APA. So it, it can really help peel back the curtain there. You know, our, our top three genres, probably not surprising, is romance <laughs> by a lot followed up by mystery and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year we saw a lot of like, uh, or oh, this is, I'm oh, sorry, this is airing in January, 2022. So I'm going to talk yeah. about 2020, which is last <laughs> year for me as we're recording. Uh, um, we saw a lot of pandemic related genres, just oh, like, really? spike huh, like huh. crazy, like, like parenting, yeah. right? You can imagine yeah. like, yeah, yeah. this was my, my, uh, you know, my son was in kindergarten. He was doing school from home for a while. And yes. he was like home with me all day as I was juggling yes. a job in his school. And like, yeah, books on parenting. Like that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> like, people are going to want to level up there a little bit. Right. And then we had a lot of like discrimination and race relations type books. Uh, yeah. Like people mm-hmm. are reaching for that like crazy. Personal finance as people are getting laid off and wanting to get smarter about money and how to save and that kind of stuff. Uh, and then a lot of escapism genres, sci-fi, fantasy, action, uh-huh. adventure. Uh-huh. Those kind of things saw a big spike too. Those are back down to basically normal at this point, <laughs> but we've seen some interest, you know, that even though the pandemic's not over that those yeah. were definitely a spike in 2020. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we've seen is just like uh, the rise in impact from discounts and promotions and oh, yeah. uh, sh- short-term promotions, like what Chirp is doing. Yeah. Because the division of BookBub yes. and they basically, they didn't copy paste their BookBub feature deals into their retail or into their audiobook yeah. option. Mm-hmm. Cause they, they did it a little differently, which was really smart. I think mm-hmm. because it's been very successful. So yes. we'll let the results speak for themselves on that decision. But you know, the chirp is the retailer. Mm-hmm. So they have this, this list of over a million people who want audiobook discounts and they send out the daily deal email, but instead of sending out to the retailers, they're piping everything back to chirpbooks.com where they're making the sale on their own platform that they own. So streamlines a lot of things. They're owning the customer. Now they're able to say like, Hey, you bought book one and you finished it. Like you want to buy book two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pushing ratings and reviews. I've heard some authors tell me anecdotally that they're getting like 10 X the number of ratings and reviews on books sold on chirp from any other platform. Mm-hmm. So they're pushing that in really good ways. Um, and we're seeing an increase in books that are not for sale on that platform because they're drawing so many consumers in as well. Right. Right. But Look, in the in the history of the audiobook world, getting an audiobook for 99 cents or a buck 99 blows people's minds. Right. It's unheard of. So the fact that Chirp is doing this 
they're really opening up a whole new segment of the market and drawing a lot of people into this new ecosystem that is really mm-hmm. healthy for the yeah. industry. So, yeah. uh, and we've seen a lot of experimentation around that, around like, hey, I, got a, I got a deal on book one. Maybe I should like stair step books two, three, and four and make it so that people want to pick yeah. them up all at once. I've That's done that. Really yeah. yeah. You know, too. you might do the the same. You can, um, you can, they have this new feature now where you can follow an author on Chirp. Uh-huh. And it actually, when you put your book on sale, even if it's not featured, they will email everybody who follows you. So you actually have control of some of the distribution now of those email lists for the people who follow you. So that can be really impactful. Say you're releasing book eight in your series and you discount book one. All of a sudden, everybody who follows you on on Chirp is going to get an email from Chirp and you're going to be in that email, even though you didn't get that featured deal, you still get that visibility to the people who are following you. So there's a lot of tools like that that are kind of ramping up and Mm -hmm. retailers like Chirp who are like, taking this audiobook thing seriously and doing some cool innovation and, and, and making things easier for authors. That's great. That's yeah. great. It's just getting people to, because, you know, Audible is so prominent, getting people over to Chirp. But I think that the more authors run deals to Chirp, it, it helps move the market over there. It helps consumers mm-hmm. see, oh, wow, there's another option over here for audiobooks that, actually affords me some deals and I can find, you know, I think that's great. That's, yeah. that's, that was my biggest thing when I did my first chirp deal, people were like, what's chirp. And I'm like, Oh, let me tell you about chirp. And so, <laughs> you know, it was pretty cool. Audible has trained the industry to believe every book is $15. Yeah. Right. It's I trade this credit, which I spent $15 for, for any yeah. book in the catalog. Yeah. And, and so all of a sudden you're like, Oh man, a $2 book on yeah. chirp. Like, <laughs> I'll I'll get that instead of seven books. Like I'll yeah. I'll buy seven books instead yeah. of one. Yeah. Um. And and you know, I, I you know that that's drawing a ton of people <laughs> over and it's catching people's eyes, and and that kind of shift also is really great for short form content. Right. right? You can imagine when every book is fifteen dollars on Audible. Yes. You know, the yes. Play, like, what chance does a two hour novella have? Yeah. None. Exactly. None. Nobody's yeah. going to choose the two hour book over the 20 hour anthology. Yes. So exactly. other platforms like Chirp and Apple and Google, where you're able to set your price, you're able to like really control some discounts mm-hmm. uh, and, and price things appropriate. We're right. seeing a big resurgence to a big trend and more people trying out shorter books. Yeah. Either That's good. my first dip into audio. Yeah. Look, the price for a two hour book is really reasonable because yeah. you pay yeah. for a finished hour, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and this content had no chance in surviving when Audible was the only player, but now the market right. is different. Right. The so more and more authors experimenting with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Lots of exciting stuff going on. It is. I would imagine now people are searching books about like how much day drinking is too much day drinking. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that might be your next book, Jamie. It sounds like that might be filling a need there. I have been keeping my five grandchildren for the last five days. And if I'm not day drinking by now, I never will. I'm just telling you, I never will. (laughs) Well, how how have you seen indie publishing change? Um. Well, aside from some of the stuff we we just just uh, touched yeah. on, like you know, shorter form content, yes. really, really kind of having a resurgence and and discounts really driving a lot of growth. Um, you know, I, I, most of it has been really positive compared to trad publishing. Like yes. the tools are better, 
The distribution is easier to get. Everything's really a lot more accessible and easy for anybody to reach. Just like uh -huh. this renaissance when you were able to just publish an ebook and you're like, oh, uh -huh. okay, something's different here. Like the yeah. audiobook industry is finally there and really maturing in a way that I think would make a lot of authors really question if the cut a trad publisher takes is really worth the value that they're given. <laughs> and there's a big, there's a big change that's, that's happening in the industry and will continue to happen as all of these tools get better and distribution opens up and the tools and the power and the speed of the indie market continues to advance. Like not saying trad's ever going to go away. Like they yeah. absolutely have some value in the industry, but they're going to need to think a lot harder about what value they're bringing and what the value exchange is, right. you know, getting, 10, 15% of your royalties instead of 80% of your royalties is a huge difference. Right. If you look around and you're like, oh, most of that I can do myself. Right. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. so, right. And well, if you're like the long term, you know, yes. like it's not just you're giving up a little percentage at the beginning, you're giving that up lifetime pretty much. Yep. I mean, yeah. it depends on your contracts because audio contracts are better than print and ebook traditional contracts because you can put a time limit on them. But still, yep. you know, but if you sign, if you sign too. off traditional publishing and they have your audio rights, you're never getting those back. Probably, uh -uh. I mean, maybe. Uh, I've heard, I've I heard some. Never, you know, but. if they're unexercised after a couple of years and you approach them, they might they might deal with you. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's that's not a bad situation to be in if you can get them back. Where a trad publisher is pr promoting your ebook and audiobook, and they're pumping that, and they have like their name behind it, but then you own the audio rights, and you're taking eighty percent of all your royalties there. Yeah. But you get to be on the same unified Amazon page, and you get to be linked together mm -hmm. on Google and Apple and everything. Yeah, that's not it's, it's not a bad deal. So if they haven't exercised their rights and they're just kind of sitting on the rights, but the book isn't made after a couple of years, I'd approach them and see see if they're willing. Yeah, if you to can get it. Oh, yeah. but, but I mean, thinking back, yeah. thinking back to the days where it really was hard to make an audiobook, and these yeah. tools were not available and these platforms weren't here. And I know we're going to talk about marketplace soon. This yeah. is like one of those things that <laughs> makes it easier for authors. Audio rights were a lot more attractive to sell to trad pubs yeah. because you're like, I, I don't know how to make this book. I yeah. don't have the tools yeah. to do it. Right. And them not just paying for the book, but having the expertise of knowing how to make the audiobook right. was a huge part of the sell. Right. Yeah. Not just their marketing efforts and what they're putting behind it, but the, the world is changing and the value the value exchange is changing too. Yeah. Well, I'll go ahead. Say, I was going to say, tell us about the marketplace because yes. that's, this is a good point to like describe what that is and how yeah. that, because that's one of the layers of things that y'all have created, one of the new things. Yes. So, so at Finally Voices, we do two things. We help authors mm -hmm. make books and we help authors sell books. So mm -hmm. the distribution is really the core of everything. Everything is kind of layered on top of distribution and, and we reach 40 plus partners and, you keep 80% of all of your, your royalties there. And there's a whole bunch of different business models and the actual pay splits gets a little complicated when you go into those 40 one by one. But distribution <laughs> is really at the core. On top of that, we've been helping authors make books by pairing up authors and narrators since the day we launched. This is like something that we've done from the beginning because we knew in order to feed the distribution network, we also wanted to help open up the market to people who didn't know how to make books. Mm -hmm. And when we opened up, uh, we were competing against ACX, who has, you know, uh, many years of head start, and they have more narrators. Uh -huh. And, and they were an open marketplace, we saw some problems with and we saw some holes that we thought we could address. So since the beginning of Findaway Voices, we've made books in just one way, which is a very personalized approach. It's you got a production manager that helps follow you the whole way through. We help you with casting. We're going to find the right narrator for you. 
And then we're going to make sure every step of the way you're protected from the narrator ghosting you. The narrators are protected from you not paying, like all of these extra services that we could do to make a more trustworthy first experience. Right. However, <laughs> that doesn't work for everybody, right? Sarah, you've made enough audiobooks. Jamie, you've made enough audiobooks that if you were to go through that production process with us, it would probably be a little frustrating for you. It right. would slow you down. It would, there's guide rails on here that you're like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Don't, I don't need you every step of the way here. I don't need you in between uh, mediating here. And so what we're doing is we're opening up a whole new way to make audiobooks on Findaway Voices by opening up a marketplace. So for the very first time, our narrator database is going to be searchable by everybody mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. Narrators are going to have their own public profiles. These are already live and they are beautiful. And, and uh, we've seen a lot of narrators talk about, you know, I don't need a website anymore. I'm just going to link to this thing because it's a great, great representation of their skill set. We have really cool things like listening to uh, their own audio introduction. So instead of reading a bio, you get mm -hmm. to hear them talking about themselves. Oh, a lot of work great. samples, yeah. like really making a personal connection. And we've got all kinds of sorting and filtering, and you're going to be able to find exactly the voice you want on there. And then we're opening up a whole production flow to help you through step-by-step step, going through at your own pace without us in the middle, you, the author and the narrator contracting directly and making a book. And we got all of the things that we've learned about how a book gets made well over the last five years. Mm -hmm. And we've built this into a set of tools that we're giving away for free. We're not charging any money for marketplace. It's wow. completely free to use. We want to grow the whole industry. We want to make books more accessible for everyone. The other way, the old way that we did it before is still going to be around. I don't see that mm -hmm. going away anytime soon because there's a need for both. But right. There's going to be more options and, and, and opportunities to make audiobooks than ever before. And we really think this is going to be a huge, uh, a huge thing for both authors and narrators. And it's mm -hmm. going to shift a lot of the dynamics in the audiobook industry because instead of having, you know, one place that serves primarily a single retailer, right. <laughs> you, you've got us who sits in the middle of the industry. We distribute everywhere. We're invested in the growth of the entire audiobook industry. Mm -hmm. And that's a much better place to, to sit. Yeah. yeah. That's so could, amazing. Could, yeah. Could somebody start, like if they're new, could somebody start with the, like your traditional way where you uh, gave kind of walk them through it? Yeah. And then could they transition to this other way later or they're not like locked a, yeah. in right? Yeah. You could do the, the first book with us in the managed way. And then you know that narrator and maybe you want to go marketplace for the rest of the books. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, my, my philosophy in, in voices and, and a lot of things is, I don't want to put handcuffs on anybody. Uh, like we're not going to win by being the company with the, the, the really restrictive terms, right? Yeah. So we're giving away all these tools for free on market. You can make a book completely for free on marketplace that costs in the narration. Like you still got to pay the narrator, obviously, but right, like right, right. find a way is not taking a cut there. And then if you want to take that book and go exclusive to somewhere else, and we don't see a, you know, a bit of that revenue on the distribution side. Okay. I, like, I think you're making a mistake there, but I'm not going to lock you in. So right. we really want to be this tool that, that helps grow the whole audiobook industry. And we believe, we believe the math is going to, you know, be a no brainer for everybody on, on doing wide distribution over exclusive anyway. Yeah. Uh, but there's no reason to lock people into it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause y'all are making like, this is a question that comes up. Y'all are making your money through the distribution. You take a cut of the distribution. It's not like you're charging up That's front. right. Yeah, there's no yeah. upfront to distribute with us. We take we take a twenty percent cut of the royalties earned. Authors keep eighty percent of everything they earn, and that's you know that's that's our business model. Like if your book doesn't sell a dollar, we don't 
we don't make a dollar either. And it, you know, it's not, it's not free to send these gigabyte audio files to 40 retailers with all updates. And like, there's a lot of, you know, infrastructure costs and there's a lot of things that go into just sending a, sending a book out there. Mm-hmm. It sounds, sounds easier than it actually is. Right. Um, and, and compiling the royalty reports, you know, we get 40 mm-hmm. reports every month and we got to compile this into one thing and send tax forms at the end of the year and everything. There's we're underwater. If your book doesn't sell, like we want right. the books to sell, right, right, <laughs> um, right. but yeah, we, we, we are giving away marketplace for free because we want more books. We want more yeah. books in the industry in a whole, as a whole. Uh, there's only five, 600,000 audiobooks in the world right now. There's mm-hmm. 7 million eBooks at least, you know, conservative estimates. Like there's a lot of books left to be made. Wait, yes. say that again. How many audiobooks are there in the world? Five or 600,000. Okay. That's, that's a lot, but, it's but that's not compared to eBooks. I know. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, we haven't hit the ceiling yet. Yeah. Right? And certainly not all of those 7 million books are right for audio. Right. right. Correct. But, but a lot of them could be. And a lot of the new books coming out, people need better tools. People want right. different options. And we're really excited. The feedback that we've gotten on Marketplace so far has been so encouraging uh, and so great. And I'd love to see, even with the initial launch of, we, we, you know, we launched the narrator profiles first. So we can get narrators upgrading their profiles mm-hmm. into this new format before we open the doors to authors to go search everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think by the time this airs, authors will be able to search the whole database. Oh, that's um, but but the tools that we've given narrators, we're like, oh, well, I think this will be nice to have. And then we've seen some of the creativity that's come out. Uh, and it's just blown us away what people have done right. with their profiles. It's so cool to see. It's a, re- it's right. a lot of fun. You know, searching for narrators is fun. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not always been the case. Uh, but we, yeah, we've, we've focused a lot on the delightful aspect of things. Oh, that's great. That's right. So can you, besides Chur, can you give us some other tips for selling audiobooks wide? Grab yeah, your I, pencils, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think, I think it, it helps a lot to understand the different business models yes. um, of the partners that we distribute to. Because mm-hmm. it's not always, uh, here's $10, I'll take my book. Yes. <laughs> it's not yes. that simple all the time. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we have a lot of blog posts and education stuff on this because it's not a simple thing. Like you're not going to just look at you know, page 13 of our distribution agreement and say like, Oh, I get it. Yes. It's more complicated than that, unfortunately. Um, But I think understanding where retail fits in your, in your strategy, where subscription fits in your strategy, how libraries especially fit in your strategy. I think, and I see Sarah nodding her head already. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Sarah makes money on libraries. (laughs) I know, you know, so I want you to jump in with some things about libraries too, Sarah, because I think you have a lot of expertise here, but Libraries, I think a lot of authors, especially newer authors, they're thinking, oh, my book is free at the library, so I must not get paid. No, no, no. <laughs> you get paid for the books at the library. And there's there's two business models that libraries use. One, the cost per checkout model, which is where the whole catalog is available to patrons, and you get paid a small fee every time the book is checked out, right? You don't have a librarian in, in between you and the patron uh, to, to curate the catalog. They might merchandise the catalog, but they're not deciding what's in or out. So the, the, whole, the whole catalog is available to them. Those payouts, as you'll see in the distribution agreement, look small. They look really small, but they can add up fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I think sleeping on libraries is the biggest mistake that I see authors making um, right. because they look at those payouts and they think the books are free at the library and how much could that really do 
Well, there's a lot of libraries out there and there's a lot of people who only use libraries Mm -hmm. to get their books. They're never going to pay 15 bucks a month for Audible. They're never going to pay 10 bucks a month for Scribd. Like those, those other channels just aren't ever going to be where they get audiobooks. Right. And, and it's, it's a, it's, you know, Sarah, what do you, what do you think some of the, your best tips are for how you've gotten traction in libraries with your audiobooks? Well, I think that, like, I think that certain genres, like I, like my readers, they go to the library a lot. And so I don't know, like maybe romance readers, they're used to getting their books maybe in ebook and buying them and maybe not at the library as much. So maybe it's different per genre. But for me, I just, I've been, I tell my readers, especially through my newsletter, Hey, you know, you can get my books at the library and it's a great way to sit. Cause you know, people, you know, people don't have unlimited funds. So it's like, be sure, you know, if you want this book, you can request it through the library and it's available in print, ebook and audio. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they, I've, I've, I've had so many people email me and say, Hey, I found your books through the library and in its audio. And they're talking about audio and it's like, it's opened up like a whole nother group of readers for right. me that I didn't have before. So I'd say yeah. mainly tell your readers, you know, yes. the ones you have and let them know. And then once they start requesting it in whatever format, it kind of snowballs, you know, like you, it's one of those things that's very hard to track. And then I've also been contacting libraries as well. And I have a sheet that I, or I haven't, I've asked my assistant to help me with this because it's, there are a ton of libraries. And so I started with the ones that were in my area, in my state and said, Hey, local author, here's some books I have out. And I put all the ISBNs on there for all the formats. And I think that helps. And it, the, the payouts are small, but when you've got, you know, think about how many libraries there are. There's probably a library in at least in every county, you know, if not every city, multiple, yep. you know. So, so yeah. So uh, I you say, have a magic don't phrase there. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listeners, listen up to that magic phrase that Sarah said: "Local author." Uh-huh. That, that uh-huh. phrase is magic when you're talking to a librarian. Yeah. Librarians yeah. are always looking for new ways to merchandise and attract people to the catalog. Right. And, yeah. and local author is a, is one of those magic phrases mm-hmm. in the, in the mind of a, of a librarian that will make you stick out. Yeah. yeah. And, and local can be fungible too. Like, you yeah. know, like uh, if you live in Seattle, you're in the Pacific Northwest. Right. Like, <laughs> if you're in, yeah. Like Oregon, you are too. And like Western Idaho, right. like you, you got this bigger territory, mm-hmm. depending on how you spin local sometimes mm-hmm. different geographies think of them. Like I'm a Southern author. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. that covers uh, a lot uh, of uh, states. <laughs> that's not just your county. That's not your, yeah. that's not, you know, that's not just Texas. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if Texas isn't big enough for you, like you can yeah. just <laughs> out there and say, I'm a Southern author. And that, yeah. that'll, that local author phrase is really impactful. There yeah. Too. Yeah, That's and great. you can get yeah. the double whammy by saying, "Hey, I'm a local author, and I write about my area." If you yes. have that combo, yes. you know. Yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't been smart enough to do that because I sent all my books in another country. But <laughs> <laughs> but they would be more interested if it's like, "Oh, you're a local author, and you write about you know yeah. the South or whatever." Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's great. Uh, a lot of a lot of the platforms too, like libraries, and you know, we're talking like Scribd and Storytel and some of the subscription platforms. You know, keep in mind, there's no price on those on those detail pages. When somebody is looking at your book, price is not a, a, a factor. And on so many of the retail platforms, Apple, Google, even Chirp, um, you know, the, the price is like the first thing their eyes go to. Uh-huh. And so there's a different way to think about your books and how to market your books on those platforms where 
No, they're, they're paying somewhere else. Like either the government is paying it for the library, uh-huh. you know, through, through the funding there, the funding programs or on Scribd and Storytel, they're paying a monthly fee for access uh-huh. to it. And they're not thinking about the different, like they're not having this audible credit mentality of the two hour right. book versus the 20 hour book. Right. There's some different ways that you can um, position that. At one tip with libraries that I like to give people is the, the education thing that Sarah said is, is absolutely key. There's some people who just, they're, they like the libraries, they have library cards, but they don't think about the libraries as their first, right. first option and just reminding them uh-huh. that it's available in the library three to six months after your launch is really uh-huh. good. Because if, you're, if they're going to buy it on Apple or Google or, or one of the retail platforms, that's a much bigger payout. You, you want that high revenue event if you can get it. But if three months or six months has passed and they haven't bought it yet, nudging them to the library might be the thing that gets them to read the book. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that education at the right time, hitting them at the right time, yeah. you probably don't want to go super heavy on the, my book is on the library on your release day. Mm. You might want to focus your link <laughs> yeah. somewhere else on the release day. But six months later, you got to hit a different segment. The people who were not clamoring over themselves to buy your book but still are interested in it. And, and so to think about those business models and how they work and how to strategize when to do the education and when to do right. the pushes on your marketing side mm-hmm. is it can be really, really impactful. That's yeah, great. That's a great point. Well, I have a question that, so listening to you, I know, I mean, I would say I know quite a bit about this business, but there's still some things you've said that I've gone, oh, did I know that? So for <laughs> our listeners who maybe don't, where where can they go to educate themselves about things like this, like you know, wide distribution or um, how to deal with narrators, or you know, I mean, are, are there are there places they can that we, authors can go to really get that information? So we, you know, we try to do a good job of, of distributing as much of this information in, in our blog as possible, uh-huh. and we uh-huh. do a, a bunch of stuff there. So blog.findawayvoices.com is a great resource. I think there's a lot of great podcasts out there like yeah. this one right here that you're listening hey. to, you know, like stop the, it. You know, these <laughs> podcasts are one of my favorite ways to learn about a topic. I Me love too. hearing directly from yeah. the source. So I, I love that you guys are doing this. This is fantastic. I'm so honored to be on here and, and hopefully helping some people out. But I, I think that there's a lot of people, not just myself, like I do a bunch of podcasts, but there's a lot of other people in the industry who also know what they're talking about and are mm-hmm. great on podcasts. So yeah. just searching the platforms for audiobook related guests, I think are, yes. are a really great way to educate yourself about that. And then, man, there's some great Facebook groups out there too. I'm in a couple like wide for the win, uh-huh. which is just such a great um, community of people who have the wide mindset and want uh-huh. to help each other out. And they have this amazing tree of knowledge where they archive a bunch of posts that you can read through. Like you could, you could spend 20 hours, mm-hmm. 50 hours reading through that group and being and learning from the best because people yeah. are so willing to share uh-huh. in this industry. It's uh-huh. such a, such a giving communal, not territorial thing uh, mm-hmm. for wide authors to like really want to help each other. So I think just finding as many of those resources as you can, I, you know, wide for the wind, this podcast, a bunch of other podcasts, mm-hmm. our blog, there's a bunch yes. of stuff there. And then there's always, you know, email us. If you have a question about stuff, like <laughs> yeah. our, our email inbox is filled with people just wondering, how does this work? Is this a good strategy? It's mm-hmm. not always, uh, I can't figure out how to enter this thing in the field. Like yeah. this is broken. Mm-hmm. Like it's not all that. We'd love to help people with more subjective stuff too. So right. if questions about how something works, reach out to us. We'd love to help you out. All right. And and you guys do answer, which is like bonus. <laughs> like, yes. Not, some places we work with, you can't talk to a real person. You right. just get an automated right. response. So 
you know, definitely no, reach no, out. No automated responses. From us. Yeah, we, we <laughs> take customer service really, really seriously. And we have a That's really great, great team. Yeah, That's great. and also I was going to ask you on the promotion tips. Don't y'all have uh, occasional promotion things that you set up with the various retailers, right? That- yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we have we have somebody dedicated to merchandising, and yeah. and uh, her name's Christina. She has great relationships with all of the the retailers that do regular features. Apple has really stepped up their game in the last couple of years with indies to give mm-hmm. great carousel placements and. And special lists. Uh, Storytel is a big one where we can get, you know, some placement. It really gives a ton of visibility. We work with libraries on visibility too. You know, Hoopla mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. does like merchandising, and they can they can make some special, you know, features for you know Black History Month or uh, New Year's resolutions or whatever the the yeah. timely thing is. They're doing these things. So, um, in the eyes of the retailers, Findaway Voices looks like another publisher. We look like a Penguin Random House or a Hachette yeah. who has yeah. great new titles that they mm-hmm. want to feature. So every month we're putting together a list of the best titles, of the best series, of the best new stuff that's coming out. Uh, and so, you know, we're constantly looking for that kind of stuff. We do have, I'll share with your readers here, we have kind of a unpublished secret-ish email Ooh. inbox, uh, marketing at findawayvoices.com. This is an Ooh. inbox where we, we ask uh, some of our best customers, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are one of our best customers because you're, <laughs> you're interested in educating yourself and, and getting better and really learning the craft and everything. So um, if you email us to that email address, anytime you're doing some marketing efforts to let us know about it, say you got a new book coming out and you're running a sale on you know, books one and two, and you're going to spend 500 bucks on Facebook ads and like... Mm-hmm. Give us the high level. We don't need the 10-page marketing plan. We just need the high level of what's going on, generally at least six weeks in advance. So you got to be thinking ahead for this kind of thing. But if you tell us, I'm putting book one on sale because book eight is coming out and I'm going to spend $1,000 between Facebook and Google ads on this, and I'm going to be on this blog as a guest poster and blah, blah, blah. That's the kind of stuff that we'll put in, in our pitch deck to Apple. Or okay. Storytel or Google yeah. or somebody else and say like, hey, this book, this is book eight that's new, but this, there's this cool thing going on. Could we also do some kind of promotion visibility with a small discount on your platform at, to celebrate the new release? And it's certainly not a guarantee, but it gives us the ammo to mm-hmm. add those kind of things to our presentations that we do every month. So that email inbox, we don't have it anywhere super public. Maybe we mm-hmm. will at some point, um, but we want to keep it really focused. So uh, let us know there. You won't always get a response from us. Uh, and, and nothing is promised, obviously. Uh-huh. It's all at the discretion of the retailers, but we read every single one that comes through and it helps us uh, put together our, our plans for how we do yeah. it. Yeah, that is such a great tip and such right. great. That's something that we, I think I forget. I'm like, I'll get something going and I forget to tell the, the wide, like if, especially if you're wide, if you tell the retailers what you're doing, a lot of them will come alongside and help you out. So yeah. very, you, you can good. also just tell us about new releases that are coming up before, you know, even if you're not going to do something super special with it, but it's a big release for you and you have some marketing efforts. The, the problem we have um, with visibility ahead of time uh, is not great support in the audiobook world for pre-orders. So right. a lot yeah. of people put their book up and release it the same day. It's like, yeah. ah, I wish I knew about this one six <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, I yeah. Would have helped, I would have helped get some visibility for it. 
And the audiobook production process takes, you know, four, six, eight weeks, depending on the book. And so by the time that book is done, you don't want to sit on it arbitrarily for yeah. a little bit of time. Yeah. You want to get it out there to the market. And publishers do tell us, like the big publishers tell us way in advance what their release schedule is. But from authors, it's a lot more rapid release. It's a lot more, yeah. I had no idea this book was coming until you uploaded it and published it today. Yes. Uh, so anything that we can see ahead of time, it's just the nature of our platform. It doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to you prepping a book six weeks in advance. And we don't, we don't know when the release mm-hmm. date's going to be. And um, the deadlines are generally a little bit more movable than yes. a big publisher deadline would right. be. So right. anything you can do to give us a heads up there really helps us on the merchandising side. Okay. So that yeah. is good to know. Good Very good. That's the goal, people. Yeah. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success in this audiobook world? <laughs> I think having the mindset of of working with everybody. Yeah. You know, not not trying to take a, a very small, narrow approach to this, but really trying to grow the entire industry at once. Not trying to grow a single retailer, not trying to grow a single platform or channel. Uh, we're invested in the entire audiobook ecosystem, the entire audiobook industry. We want everybody to succeed. So I think that mindset has helped us go far. And um, and I, I've 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 loved the interactions that I've had with authors at conferences throughout mm-hmm. the years and getting to meet so many people in person. Right. I think that has been very inspiring mm-hmm. to me and a lot of the people on our team as as well as just the feedback that we get every day about, you know, thank God you guys are in the industry. Like, thank uh-huh. God you uh-huh. guys have, are doing what you're doing because, right. uh, cause it feels good to make an impact in a, in a good way. So that's yeah. very motivating to, to the whole team. That's great. That's great. Well, you've told us a little bit, but tell us again where people can find out more about find away voices and you and everything. Thanks. Yeah. Um, the website is findawayvoices.com uh-huh. and that's pretty much all our social handles too. So you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Findaway Voices. Um, and again, our blog, which you can find from the website, is a great resource. We have you know between two and five posts a month about different tips and tricks on how to make audiobooks. Any news and announcements will also be on there. We're announcing a new partner or you know something else is changing, new feature. Um, we always post it on there too. And, and then we have an email list that basically just regurgitates a bunch of the blog posts. So if you keep an eye on the blog, you get to know it faster than everybody else. Okay. Uh, but yeah, okay. findawayvoices.com is kind of the starting point in the hub for everything. All right. Okay. Great. Awesome. Well, Great. well sure thank fun. you for being here. It's been just awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. What a great conversation. Yes, this has been great. So we'll have all those links and we'll link to the blog and the headphone report and all that in the show notes. And those will be at wishidknownthenpodcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast. And we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.